Hello, you're listening to a special episode of the Nutrition Diva podcast as part of Podbean Wellness Week. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and every week in this podcast, I offer a concise but thorough examination of some aspect of food and nutrition. It might be a new research study that's in the news, a diet trend that's making the rounds, or questions that I get from you, the listeners. And I get lots of questions about various nutritional supplements. And today's episode, we're going to talk about which ones are worth your money and which ones aren't. If you're a first-time listener and you enjoy today's show, I hope you'll subscribe. And now, let's get started. I recently got an email from Brian, who wrote, In episode number 28, you talk about multivitamins and calcium, but what about other supplements like... And here, Brian listed 25 different nutritional supplements, literally from A to Z, starting with ashwagandha and ending with zinc. Maybe you have a similar list. According to the FDA, three out of every four American consumers take a dietary supplement on a regular basis. And for older Americans, the rate rises to four in five. One in three children take supplements, and we're spending a lot of money on them. The supplement industry is a $122 billion industry, and yet it doesn't look like we're getting much of a return on our investment. In 2019, researchers at Tufts University examined survey data on supplement use and health for more than 27,000 individuals spanning a six-year period, and they found that those who reported taking nutritional supplements didn't seem to get any benefit from them in terms of decreased mortality. They didn't live any longer than those who didn't take them. Now, those who had adequate intake of certain nutrients, including vitamin A, K, magnesium, and zinc, did live longer than those who didn't, but only if they were getting those nutrients from foods. Those who were getting them from supplements didn't do any better. Now, this particular study is painting with a very broad brush. The researchers didn't look at all the different supplements individually or look in detail at causes of death, but studies on individual nutrients and health conditions, including cancer, heart disease, bone loss, and Alzheimer's, have also been largely disappointing. Although there are some situations where nutritional supplementation is helpful, and we're going to talk about them in a minute, the vast majority of the supplements that people are taking are of questionable use. So which supplements should you take? Now, I'm not going to go through each of the 25 nutrients in Brian's list one by one in today's episode. For one thing, I've talked about many of these nutrients, including collagen, glucosamine, omega-3s, and vitamin K, and many others in past episodes. And you can search our episode archives at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. But the other reason is that if I did go down this list one by one, tomorrow there would be 10 emails in my inbox asking about 250 more nutrients. However, most dietary supplements can be sorted into a handful of categories. So instead of playing whack-a-mole with individual nutrients, let me offer you some guidelines and some principles on those larger categories. So the first category is nutrients that you can get from food without even trying. A lot of the nutrients included in multivitamins, such as thiamine, riboflavin, copper, phosphorus, and selenium, are sufficiently widespread in the food supply that you can easily meet your daily requirements, even if your diet isn't particularly great. The vast majority of Americans do meet the recommended intakes of these nutrients. 
And then there's nutrients that you can get from food with a little effort. If you're willing to make even a small effort to eat healthily, you can easily meet the requirements for most of the other essential nutrients. And this includes vitamins A, C, E, K, omega-3s, fiber, magnesium, potassium, and zinc. And those are among the most commonly taken supplements. Now, ironically, the people who take nutritional supplements are also much more likely to have healthy diets, meaning that these supplements are largely surplus to their requirements. No wonder they don't seem to do much good. Now, there may also be some people who take nutritional supplements because they don't really want to eat healthy, and they figure they can cover their bases with supplements and then eat whatever they want. But remember, as the 2019 study revealed, those who are meeting their requirements from supplements don't do as well as those who are meeting them from food. It really is better to get your nutrients from foods than from pills. And you can do that by eating a variety of fresh fruits and vegetables, fish, eggs, lean meats, dairy, whole grains, legumes, and nuts. And if you want an easy way to stay on track with that, try the free Nutrition GPA app. It's at nutritiongpa.com. Okay, then there are nutrients that you can't get enough of from food and you've actually tried. Because even if you are doing your best to eat a variety of healthy foods, there may be a few nutrients that you are still falling short on. Vitamin D is likely to be in this category. Vitamin D is not very widespread in the food supply, and most of us don't get enough sunshine to meet the requirement that way. As a result, many people need to rely on supplements for this particular nutrient. Calcium is often in this category as well, especially for those who don't consume dairy products. And people also sometimes struggle a bit as they get older because the calcium requirement goes up with age, and people generally eat less food as they get older. However, it's not necessary or advisable to take large doses of supplemental calcium. You only need to take enough to fill the gap between what your healthy diet can provide and that requirement. And for most people, that's only 250 to 500 milligrams per day at most. And because it's only found in animal foods, vegans usually need a supplement to meet their B12 needs. Then there's a whole class of dietary supplements that are based on the flawed notion that if a nutrient is good for you, well, then 10 times that much will be 10 times better. Nutrients in this category include antioxidants, B vitamins, and zinc. Not only is there no proven benefit to flooding the body with 1,000% of the daily requirements, there is a chance of harm. Too many antioxidants from supplements, for example, can stunt the body's own antioxidant mechanisms and impair athletic recovery. Too much vitamin A can hurt your liver. Too much zinc can actually suppress the immune system. And not only are high-dose B vitamins unlikely to give you more energy, but high doses of certain B vitamins can make it hard to detect other serious nutrient deficiencies. The more different supplements you're taking, the greater the risk that you'll end up overdoing it on one or more nutrients, all the more reason to avoid indiscriminate supplementation. Another large category of nutritional supplements are simply aspirational. I think of these as the wishful thinking supplements. These include the fat-burning, energy-boosting, anti-aging, stress-relieving, brain-boosting, hormone-balancing, and detoxifying products. I mean, who wouldn't want those effects? And who can resist the idea that we could get those benefits simply by popping a few pills? Apparently, 
very few of us can resist. The science behind these type of supplements generally ranges from exaggerated to completely non-existent. For one thing, it's pretty challenging to scientifically measure whether a product is actually boosting your energy or relieving your stress, cleansing your cells, or rolling back the years. And those effects are notoriously subject to the power of suggestion. That may be why on every single one of these supplements, you will find a legally mandated statement that that product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hope springs eternal, however, making this one of the most popular categories of supplements, and in my opinion, one of the biggest wastes of money. There is one category of supplements that is completely uncontroversial, and that's those that are prescribed to correct a medically diagnosed nutrient deficiency. Your doctor might order tests to check for specific deficiencies if you're reporting certain symptoms. Iron and B12 deficiencies are often diagnosed this way. Or a standard screening blood test may reveal that you're low in magnesium or vitamin D or some other nutrient. In this case, supplements absolutely make sense, but you'll want to work closely with your healthcare provider. Make sure you understand exactly what form and what dosage you should be taking and how long you should take it. Don't assume that you should just keep taking it forever. And also how and when you're going to recheck to ensure that the issue has been resolved. It may also make sense to take a supplement if it's been proven to be effective against a specific concern that actually concerns you. Now, we're not talking about studies in test tubes or with lab rats. We're talking about well-designed studies showing that this specific nutrient offers significant benefits in the prevention or the management of a specific disease or condition in humans. For example, I really don't think there's much point in taking a random probiotic supplement just to improve your general well-being. But if you're taking a course of erythromycin for some reason... In that case, taking a probiotic containing lactobacillus rhamnosus GG has been clinically proven to prevent or reduce associated diarrhea. Now, obviously, the contenders in this category are going to have to be evaluated one by one, and the evidence is constantly evolving. Saw palmetto, for example, is a supplement that's frequently promoted for prostate health, and early studies did seem to suggest that it might help reduce BPH. However, as more and more research has been done over the years, these early findings have pretty much been overturned. The story is similar for fish oil and heart disease. The promise of those early observations has not held up under more rigorous testing. Sometimes the evidence is just mixed. Glucosamine, for example, has been found to reduce arthritis pain for some people, while it seems to do nothing for others. Because glucosamine is quite safe, it may be worth trying to see if it helps you. However, if you can't perceive a clear benefit after two to three months, there's probably no point in continuing to take it. The best advice I can offer for this category is to do your research. The Nutrition Diva archives aren't a bad place to start. You'll find that I always link to the studies that I talk about in my show notes. There are plenty of other reputable sources of evidence-based information as well, but lots of unreliable ones too, so be careful about your sources. 
I hope you found this overview helpful. If you're considering taking a nutritional supplement, see if you can identify which of these categories it fits into. And that might give you some insight into whether or not it's likely to be worth taking and what type of questions you might want to ask before making your final decision. You can send your nutrition questions to me by email. It's nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com or by calling the Nutrition Diva listener line at 443-961-6206. But before you call, you might want to search the Nutrition Diva archives first to see if I've already talked about this topic. With 600 episodes, chances are pretty good that I have. You can browse or search the complete nutrition archives at our website, quickanddirtytips.com, where you'll also find our other expert and evidence-driven Quick and Dirty Tips podcasts, including Get Fit Guy, Savvy Psychologist, Everyday Einstein, and lots of others. And while you're adding new podcasts to your playlist, be sure to check out my other podcast with Brock Armstrong. It's called The Change Academy, and it's all about creating positive change in your life. The Nutrition Diva podcast is written by me, Monica Reinagle, edited by Karen Hertzberg, produced by Nathan Sems, and our amazing team at Macmillan Audio also includes Morgan Ratner, Emily Miller, Michelle Margulis, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>